Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard speaking again. I'm your host for the merciful service of God, the merciful servants of God, biblical instructional program. This program is for those who really look at the words of God like it's as sweet as honey, as David did in the Psalms, as he stated. And for those who don't look at the Bible that way, uh, this program is going to be a very difficult program for you to listen to. Anyway, uh, before I get into the uh, topic of discussion today, which is um, what is joy, how to have joy, I need to read you some information about um, our current weather. On CNN, it has a recent article. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, I'll read enough to get your attention, hopefully. It says, Brutal July Heat a New U.S. Record. This is from CNN. You can Google this for yourself. Uh, Brutal July heat, a new U.S. record. It says the July heat wave that wilted crops and fueled wildfires officially went into the books Wednesday as the hottest single month on record for the continental United States. You can read the rest of the um, article if you like. just want to make that point. And then the other article that they posted on here on July 10th, 2012, by the CNN Wire staff. You can Google this if you want. Past 12 months, warmest record, past 12 months, warmest ever recorded in United States history. It says the mainland United States, which was largely recovering Monday from a near nationwide heat wave, has experienced the warmest 12 months since record-keeping began in 1895, a top Government Science and Weather Agency announced Monday. So the reason why I'm telling you this is is because this is significant that this country, this blessed country, this country that has everything, basically, uh, as far as physicality is concerned, uh, but we are very lacking in the area of wisdom. And I've I've preached many times uh, that 
our country is a part of Israel, whether you believe it or not. Um, you can go to this website, www.beasinboyritam.org, for proof, not only in the Bible proof, but outside of the Bible, secular proof that proves without a doubt that we are a part of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. Not only us, but also Canada, Australia, the countries in northwestern Europe, South Africa, New Zealand, I already mentioned Australia. And of course those who attach themselves to the King of Israel, which is the Messiah, Yeshua Messiah, or Jesus Christ. Christ means Messiah in Greek. So that is the truth of that. But anyway, I, I need to, to point it out for those who are listening to me for the first time. I know that may be a shock to you, but it's easily, and I mean easily proven, um, when you read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, 32, and 33, um, in particular, I like to point this out because it's, it's a very uh, interesting proof to prove that we are uh, Israel. Uh, Israel is defined in the Bible as a people that are very fat, and I mean fat, and also rich. In other words, they have a lot of resources. And let me ask you this question, and just be honest with yourself. Who are the fattest and richest people in the world? You have to combine both now, both characteristics, the fattest and richest people in the world. No doubt is the United States and the British Commonwealth of People. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Actually, let me, uh, yeah, let me read this in the, in the basic, um, the Bible and basic English version, 1965. You should remember this scripture. You know, what's, what's interesting is this. Let me, uh, yeah, uh, let me start out in Deuteronomy chapter 32. I'm going to read to the verse 15. You tell me this is not talking about our peoples. Give ear, O heavens, to my voice, and let the earth take note of the words of my mouth. So this is God talking, folks. Let's, let's pay attention. This is Moses uh, giving this uh, song that God inspired him to write to the nation of Israel. But this is a prophecy, because remember now, Moses is a prophet. Deuteronomy 32, verse 1. Give ear, O heavens, to my voice, and let the earth take note of the words of my mouth. So this is a message for the entire planet. Verse 2, my teaching is dropping like rain, coming down like dew on the fields, like rain on the young grass and showers on the garden plants. Verse 3, for I will give honor to the name of the Lord. Let our God be named great. He is the rock, complete is his work, for all his ways are righteousness. Righteousness is defined in the Bible as all the commandments of God in Psalm 119, verse 172. A God without evil who keeps faith, true and upright is he. They have become false. They are not his children. The mark of sin is on them. They are an evil and hard-hearted generation. He's talking about us today, folks, all the tribes of Israel, including the United States. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 6. Is this your answer to the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is he not your father who has given you life? He has made you and given you your place. Keep in mind the days of the past. Give thought to the years of the generations gone by. Go to your father, and he will make it clear, or you should anyway, to you, to the old men that they will give you the story. Verse 8, 
when the Most High gave the nations their heritage, separating into groups the children of men, he had the limits of the peoples marked out, keeping in mind the number of the children of Israel. So he divided the world. We have different types of the human race. There's one human race, but there's different types. You have black, you have white, you have yellow. Verse 9. For the Lord's wealth is his people. Jacob is the land of his inheritance. And remember, Jacob's um, name was changed to Israel. And remember, Jacob had 12 children, or which represent the 12 tribes. Now, Deuteronomy 32, well, 12 men, because he had also uh, Dinah, a daughter. Anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 10. He came to him in the wasteland, in the unpeopled waste of sand, putting his arms around him and caring for him. Talking about God caring for Jacob. He kept him as the light of his eye. Deuteronomy 32, verse 7. Now, as an eagle. Now, you know that the United States, uh, our symbol, our, co- co- our um, coat of arms, is an eagle. As an eagle, teaching her young to make their flight, with her wings outstretched over him, and that eagle is outstretched, right? takes them on her strong feathers, verse verse 12 of Deuteronomy chapter 32. So the Lord only was his guide. No other God was with him. Verse 13, he put him on the high places of the earth. His food was the increase of the field. So he put Israel on the high places of the earth. The high places of the earth, not the low places of the earth. So that that's telling you that God blessed Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, with the best. He put him on a high place there. His food was the increase of the field. Honey he gave him out of the rock and oil out of the hard rock. We have a lot of oil reserves that we don't use in this country, unfortunately. Verse 14. Butter from his cows and milk from his sheep with the fat of lambs. He blessed him with everything. And sheep of Bashan and goats in the heart of the grain and for your drink, wine from the blood of the grape. But Jezrun, which is a nickname for us, became fat and would not be controlled. Uh, you have become fat, you are thick and full of food, then he was untrue to the God who made him, giving no honor to the rock of his daughters. Okay, so that is a description, my friends, of Israel. It says, giving no honor to the rock of his salvation. It says, the honor which was his, they gave to strange gods by their disgusting ways he was moved to wrath. And we do have disgusting ways with our pornography and the way we worship um, football players and, and sports in general and, and these ridiculous movies that we go to and, and, and take more serious than we take God. Uh, verse 17, they made offerings to evil spirits which were not God, to gods who were strange to them. I know the elite, uh, they do worship an owl uh, from what my wife has done thorough research on that. and uh, it, It's just horrible, uh, the kind of abominations that we have in this country. Verse 18, you have no thought for the rock, your father. You have no memory of the God who gave you birth. And the Lord saw with disgust the evil doing of his sons and daughters. And he said in verse 20, and he said, My face would be veiled from them. I would see what their end would be, for they are an uncontrolled generation. Children, I don't, I don't like that translation, uncontrolled, because God doesn't try to control you. Uh, let me go back here. I have to be careful about these English translations sometimes. Verse 15 said, but Yezrun, I'm reading this complete Jewish Bible version, grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, thick and gross. He abandoned God as maker. He scorned the rock, his salvation. They roused him to jealousy with alien gods, provoked him with abominations. So, so what God is telling 
you or anyone else who has eyes and see and ears and hear that Israel has this characteristic. Now, if you doubt that this is a prophecy, uh, let me turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31 here and read this to you. And he had, he had prophesied to Moses. I'm going to try to do this in the King James Version here if I can find it. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whether they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant or agreement. What was the agreement? The agreement was to keep the, his commandments. They said they would do that. And they lied to him, uh, I think, at least two times. I think it was three times they lied to him uh, that they would keep the commandments. And, of course, uh, collectively as a, as a nation, they did not. And break my, and they continue not to do so today. And break my covenant which I have made with them, verse 17. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them. And they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us? because our God is not among us. And that's what he's doing now. As I'm speaking, he's allowing the hottest 12 months ever in the history of the United States to occur. He's allowing the hottest July ever in the history of the United States to occur to wake us up to reality, to, to help us to understand who we are. Hold your place here in Deuteronomy 31, verse 17, and let's turn to Isaiah. Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 2. Now, this is another, this is linked with the other um, Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 1 this is also something that should be proclaimed to the entire planet Isaiah 1 verse 2 hear O heavens and give ear O earth so this, this message is so important that he wants everyone to understand this for the Lord has spoken I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me in verse 3 here, here's what I want you to pay attention to here the ox knows his owner and he has his master's crib but Israel does not know my people does not consider. So Israel, they, they don't even know who they are. They don't know what they're doing. Verse 4, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are gone away backward. So, and he states about our leaders today. That's why I'm not even interested in politics. Verse 5, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. Our government is sick. And the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. And this is what's going to happen eventually to us, unless we repent. Verse 7, your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers devoured in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion, which is a prophecy, is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. And then he compares us, all the tribes of Israel, to Sodom and Gomorrah. He compares the whole world to Sodom and Gomorrah today. Because Christ said that as in the days of Lot, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So we know that 
worldwide, there's going to be some elements of Sodom and Gomorrah, and I've, I've gone over that frequently. Hold your place in Isaiah 1, verse 10. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, so understand the sins of Sodom, because most people think it's just homosexuality. There's much more than that, folks, much more than that. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. You have pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness or laziness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were prideful and committed abomination before me, which includes you know, sexual abominations like homosexuality and bestiality and pornography and all kinds of other anal sex and all this other junk, okay, that is being done probably as I'm speaking, more than likely as I'm speaking in this country and around the world, and particularly in this country and, and the other tribes of Israel. Um, and so, again, the sins of Sodom is pride, fullness of bread. You know, in other words, we have so much that we, we get fat, we're Jezreel, and we wax fat, abundance of idleness, laziness, uh, being on a PC all day, looking at television all day, um, focusing on football games all day, uh, etc. I mean, that that's being, that's not using your time wisely. And, and and also, of course, something that we have a great sin in this country. In particular, we have over 50 million people on food stamps, and uh, we continue to, to allow that to occur, and we have the resources to eliminate that almost immediately. We really do. And we don't strengthen the hand of the poor, and instead... We make excuses to say, oh, well, they're on welfare and they want to stay on welfare. Yeah, well, that's the case for some, but others are truly trying to make it. Others are truly trying to get out of poverty. And you're going to understand why I'm talking about poverty here in a minute, because it does have something to do with joy, having true joy. But anyway, uh, being, you know, caring about the poor and trying to, to help them overcome their afflictions. But anyway, uh, getting back to... The point I'm trying to make here in Isaiah 1, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Okay, he calls us that today. That's what we are. That's what we are today. And that's what the world is, according to Yeshua. Because, again, in Luke chapter 17, he said, His second coming will be similar to the days of Lot and the days of Noah, which were very similar. So, Let's go. Let's get back to the other scripture that I was quoting here. Back to Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one. I, I just want you to understand that the this song of Moses in chapter thirty-two, Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two, is a prophecy for the end times. Okay. So back in Deuteronomy thirty-one verse sixteen, and the Lord said unto Moses, Behold. Thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whether they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, Deuteronomy 31, verse 17, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? In verse 18, and I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they have wrought, and that they are turned unto other gods. Verse 19. Now therefore write ye this song for you, and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. And that's what this song is. It's a witness. You ought to study this, because this is a prophecy that applies for today. 
Deuteronomy chapter 32, Deuteronomy 31, verse 20. For when I sh shall have brought them into the land which I swore unto their fathers that flows with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves in wax and fat, as we are today, then will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. And it shall come to pass, when many evils and troubles are befall them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness. So Deuteronomy 32 is a witness against all the tribes of Israel. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed, for I know their imagination which they go about, even now before I have brought them into the land which I swear. And then verse 22 of Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore unto them, and I will be with thee. And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in the book, until they were finished, verse 25, that Moses commanded the Levites which bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against thee. And verse 27, For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death. Verse 28, Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears, and call heaven and earth against them. For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days. Now, that's a key scripture there. Deuteronomy 31, verse 29 states the latter days. Now, um, that word... That word is a very important word to understand. And that word in Hebrew is akarit hayamim. And it literally means the end of the days, the end times, or the latter days. So that word is telling you the timing of this prophecy. And this prophecy is a prophecy for the latter days. This song is a, is a song for these days, the 21st century. I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days of the 21st century, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. It also applies to all the things that happened to them after Moses said this, but it, it certainly does apply also to future history leading up until the return of the Messiah. So I just wanted to point that out to you. And it says, uh, the end times of latter days when the Olam Hazaz is coming to a close and the Olam Haba is about to begin. Now, let me <laughs> describe to you what those Hebrew words mean because I know I'm, I'm not, you know, you don't understand and I didn't too until I started studying it. But uh, the Olam, I'm looking at this um, dictionary that I have here. So the Olam Hazaz is the world, this age, okay? And... It says, when this age is coming to a close in the Olam Haba, Olam Haba, let's find out what that means here. Olam. The world to come, the age to come. That's, that's what that means there. All right? So this, this is the timing of this prophecy. And then in verse 30, it says, And Moses spoke in the words or in the ears of all the congregation of Israel, the words of the song, until they were ended. And, of course, it starts in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. And this scripture is similar to the other scripture in Isaiah, 
which tells you that they're linked, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. And verse 3, the ox know of his owner, and he has his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people don't consider. And, and in Hosea, and this is one of the reasons why, in Hosea chapter 4, Hosea chapter 4, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. Because they have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Because, I'm sorry, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me or, or Torah teacher or, or servant to, to him. Seeing that you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. And so that's what he's done today, folks. That's why he allows all these tragedies to, to happen to children, because we have forgotten him. And and we can't forget him. And when we forget him, that's when bad things happen. And people want to look at God like, hey, he's he's nicey-poo God that he just ignores our sins and he just remembers that Jesus died on the cross and all we got to do is, is think about that and then his blood will be sprinkled on us and, and we're forgiven and we don't have to try to obey the law and that's not true he died for us to obey the law and that's what most people don't understand so anyway let's get to the the um the bible study here what is joy i think this is a very important matter of fact i know this is a very important bible study because a lot of people in this country and around the world don't they're not happy they're frustrated they don't know what to do with themselves basically uh most people think that life is about work, come home, feed your family, go to sleep, get up, work, come home, uh, eat, look at television, um, look at the, the this ridiculous entertainment on television. Uh, for those who are, on, especially the millennials, uh, they they're, they depend on their PCs, I, I believe, too much. Uh, it is on their PCs all the time and, and go to bed and and then in, in these situations, uh, there's not any consistent Bible study. There's, there's not consistent prayer. And then they wonder why they're not happy. Well, I hope that you pay attention to this Bible study. You, you're going to find out why you're not happy. Um, and I hope that you listen to this and, and you take heed to it. And, and, and if you do what it says, you will be happy. And you will have joy, long-lasting joy, not temporary joy. All right, first of all, let's look at Isaiah chapter 55. We have to understand that for us to have true joy, we have to learn how to think like God. And you may be saying, we can't think like God. Yes, we can. You know, after all, he made us in his image. So we, we can think like him too. Isaiah chapter 55, starting in verse 1. Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, Come ye, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. You'll see that he's not talking about food here in a minute. Verse 2, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? This is in the King James Version. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Verse 3, now we're understanding what he's talking about. Incline your ear and come into me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of Dathan. I know this destroys every 501c3 ministry um, out there because a lot of them, they preach for money. They preach for money. And God is saying that you should offer 
the truth of God for free. And that's what I do, will do and will continue to do so. Um, of course, you know, I accept your donations or, or contributions. I'm just finishing up on this article that uh, I believe will really explain the concept of giving. It will explain what first fruits are, what offerings are, and how to tithe in, in the 21st century. And it's a, it's a very, I believe, thorough research article. And I think after you, you, you read it, uh, you'll realize that God does not require of you to give what you don't have. And he doesn't um, require for you to, to, to give so much that you make these ministers rich and then they get into a judgmental attitude about you. And Well, the reason why you're not, is not making a lot of money because you're not obeying him, and that's not the case at all. And the Bible talks about the righteous poor in the Bible. So... Uh, God does not judge you based on what you have. He judges you. Uh, hold your place here. Let me prove that to you, too. Uh, keep your place uh, on Isaiah 55. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. I'm going to start talking about this a lot more because I know, in particular, Americans think that God cares about what you have uh, as far as um, your treasure and your possessions. And, you know, God is not really impressed by that. So let me find the scripture here. in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetedness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. And many Americans, unfortunately, don't believe what Jesus said here, and, and they believe it does. And then Luke 12, verse 15, in the um, 1965 Bible and basic English version says, And he said to them, Take care to keep yourselves free from the desire for property. For a man's life is not made up of the number of things which he has. I mean, that, that, that's so true. <laughs> My life is an example of that. And then Luke 12, verse 15, in the contemporary English version, it says, Then he said to the crowd, Don't be greedy. Owning a lot of things won't make your life safe. It won't make your life safe. Luke 12, verse 15, in the complete Jewish Bible version, Then to the people he said, Be careful to guard against all forms of greed, because even if someone is rich, his life does not consist in what he owns. That's, that's some wisdom that I think we better pay attention to. And then uh, the scriptures, 1998 version, it's a Hebraic version of the Bible. Luke 12, verse 15, And he said to them, Mine, and beware of greed, because one's life does not consist in the excess of his possessions. So I think you get the, I hope you anyway get the point that I'm making there. All right, so let's go back to this other scripture, if I can remember where it was at. Okay, Isaiah chapter 55. All right, now, you understand he's talking about the words of God here, all right? Verse 4, see, I have given him as a witness of the people, a leader and a commander for the people. See, a nation you do not know. Let me go back to King James Version here. Behold, I have given him a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that you know not, a nation that knew not thee, shall run into thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And this is a commandment to all of us. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. That's the reason, that's the problem with all of us. We, we don't think righteous thoughts at times. And let him return unto the Lord, do Teshuvah, repent, 
and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him or forgive his sins. If you come back to him, if you do teshuva, which is Hebrew for repent, repenting to our God, and for he will abundantly pardon. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So the God has ways, and he wants us to emulate or copy his ways. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, Isaiah 55, verse 9, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10, for as the rain cometh down and the, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that which goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherever I see it. Verse 12, For you shall go out with joy. Here we go, leading unto the topic of this Bible study. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. So joy has something to do with peace. And I'm going to explain to you how. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all, and the singing has something to do with having joy too, and I'm going to explain that today. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So we see in this that Taking the word of God seriously and desiring it like food will bring you joy, ultimately joy. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. So joy and peace and desiring the word of God. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And then, of course, singing has something to do with it. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. All right, so let's let's get into more detail here. But first, you're probably wondering, well, how can we think like God? Well, let me prove that to you here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as in the King James Version, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And most people may stop there, but let's read the rest of it. Verse 10, but God has revealed them unto us. Who's us? Well, the believers, people that believe that the entire Bible should be obeyed, all the laws and the teachings. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit is, the, is one, the power of God searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, says the Spirit of man which is in him, which proves that we do have a Spirit in us. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, which is the devil, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Verse 13, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, but the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, But he that is spiritual judges all things. He determines what's right and what's wrong, yet he himself is judge of no man. Verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that you may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So if you are truly a believer, then you will have his mind. And what does that mean? It means that you'll think like him. 
that uh, you'll act like him. You'll have his character. That's what that's talking about. Okay, now the entertainment industry has greatly contributed toward a person's lack of interest in thinking like God. Uh, we, we have our ridiculous movies we look at. Uh, we look at ridiculous music videos like the ones on MTV, looking at TV and playing video games, at, uh, the, the unholy four there, uh, distractions. That distracts us from God in a mighty way. And if you want to have joy, you're going to have to put a control on that, how much time you spend looking at movies and looking at music videos and um, listening to, to to music that's not of God and looking at television and playing video games. And all these things, really, for you to do teshuva and to repent, you need to find movies that are God-centered. Listen to music that is God-centered. Looking at television programs as God-centered. When I mean by God-centered, that inspires you to want to think about God. That inspires you to want to do Bible study. And playing video games that inspires you to want to do Bible study. That that desires you to to want to uh, focus on God. But if you look at you know, those four, what I call the unholy four, and it's unholy if you don't use it to praise God. You only use it to waste your time and praise yourself. They take you away from him if if if, if it's not God centered. So you know, I just got to talking to um, an organization that provides clean movies, and if you're interested in looking at movies that are biblically based, please email me, and and I will email you this company where you can call and you can order these these Bible based movies. There's, and, and if you need help with music and, and uh, even video games, I know of a organization that provides biblically-based video games for your children. And for you, if you still like video games, let me know, and I can tell you. Now, the word joy in the Old Testament, the Hebrew for it is simcha, and it means glee, religious or festive, gladness, joy, being happy, mirth, pleasure, rejoicing. You know, everybody wants to do that, particularly Americans. We love to have our fun, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to have fun, folks. He wants us to enjoy life. But he wants us to do it his way. He has a right to want us to do it his way. Anyway, joy, and this is the complete, um, this is the word study. What's the name of it so I can quote this right? This is the complete word study dictionary. Okay, the complete word study dictionary I got this from describes what joy is. It says a feminine noun, the original Hebrew word for joy, gives me a definition with scriptures. Uh, should I need to use them? Uh, Semka, and it means it's a feminine noun meaning joy, rejoicing, gladness, and pleasure. It refers to the reality, the experience, and manifestation of joy and gladness. It refers to a celebration of something with joyful and cheerful activities. So joy does involve deeds. You just can't sit there and say, I'm happy, and and don't do something. I mean, you have to do something to continue to, to, just like um, driving a car, it needs gas. Well, (laughs) to have joy, you have to do joyful things or things that's going to help you to to continue to have joy. Uh, You know, sitting around a PC looking at whatever all day is not going to really stimulate joy. 
you have to do some activity. It is practically equivalent to the Israelites' days of feasting and celebrating over their God and his blessings. The Israelites were expected to worship and serve their God with joy. Okay, and that's a key verse there. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47. Let's go there. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. So service is action, is deeds, and you have to do things that will stimulate the joy and the gladness. Because if you don't, you're not going to really have joy. And again, that's the reason why I'm bringing up the television and the movies and so forth. Uh, when you look at television, are you doing any activity? When you look at music videos, are you doing any activity? I mean, well, may, maybe you are. Well, no, not when you look at musical videos. But if music, you can dance. But you have to dance to the right type of music, not sed uh, seductive music that makes you want to strip your clothes off and have sex with somebody you shouldn't be having sex with. Uh, looking at TV, again, there's no activity. You're just sitting there looking at a tube. And then playing video games, the only activity you have is your hands are moving back and forth on the keyboard or mouse, and that's it. You're not doing any other activity other than that. Uh, that's not the kind of activity that's going to stimulate real joy, folks. You have to do service. You have to do action. And I'm going to get into that in a minute, what type of action we need to be doing. Anyway, God's salvation consists of restoring or creating rejoicing. God's salvation consists of restoring or creating rejoicing in his people. God even gives a person a glad heart in the toils of this earthly life. Yes, he does. Yes, he does, folks. One's wedding day is a day of rejoicing. It refers to great celebration and joy at conquering one's enemy. The joy and gladness of the wicked does not last forever. The Lord can remove rejoicing from his people, as he has done, because of our sins. Now, let's turn to a, a pivotal verse here. Proverbs 12, verse 20. Proverbs 12, verse 20. I want you to pay attention to this. Deceit, that's trickery, fraud, is in the heart or mind of them that imagine evil. So people that, that are thinking about evil, trickery is in their heart. And believe me, I know I've experienced this with people that you wouldn't think would do this to me and, and, and people that would I would think do it to me. But it's just, this, is, this scripture is so powerful, but it's linked, colon, we're going to continue on here, with this. But to the counselors, counselors in Hebrew means yahats, and it means advisors, okay? But to the advisors of peace is joy. And that word is is added, and it's a good addition there. So peace is linked with joy. Now, What's the Bible definition of peace? Hold your place here, Proverbs 12, verse 20, and go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 165. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace, not little peace, but great peace have they which love thy law. Okay? So, peace is linked with keeping the law of God. The reason why so many people aren't happy today, the reason why people don't have true joy, is because they run away from keeping his law, whether they realize it or not. They don't want to keep the law of God. 
They don't care about the law of God. And, and this word law, as I've said many times in my program, it, it means Torah, and it means the teachings and doctrines of God, including his law. All the things that, that, that gives us the wisdom to do right and to understand what's right and what's wrong. And in verse 166 of this, oh, wait, let me get to reading. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. He doesn't say great peace have they which love television or video games or football games or uh, seductive music videos or music or ridiculous, idiotic uh, movies. He doesn't say that. He says great peace have they which love thy law. Love the Bible's teachings, and nothing shall offend them. And that word offend means mikshol, and it means be a stumbling block or something. Nothing will entice them to fall or, or be destroyed. That's what it's saying there. Verse 166 of Psalm 119, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. So when you hope for the salvation... When you hope for it, the word hope here is sabar in Hebrew, and it means to expect, to wait. I have waited for thy salvation and done thy commandments. That's how we wait for the salvation, is by doing the commandments. You have to do something. You have to do something to have joy. You just can't sit, I want to be happy. You just can't look at a, a movie and just be happy, and, and it's going to just stay there for the rest of your life. You have to continue to do other things, and particularly help people, as I'm going to get into, to have true joy. Now, Proverbs 12, Proverbs 12, verse 20. Let's get back here. Actually, I already um, got into that. We're going to read another scripture here. Psalm 41. Psalm 41, starting in verse 1. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. Now, remember, the psalms, and this is good for this Bible study, the psalms are, you should read the psalms. You should meditate on the psalms every day because these psalms will bring you joy, folks. Uh, the psalms are written to be put into music but it's also a good meditation tool for you to have joy. Blessed is he that considers the poor. Now, this word blessed in the Hebrew is ishar, and it means happiness, which is, of course, a derivative or linked with joy, because when you're joyful, you're happy. Happiness. So happiness, and that's the way the word should have been translated, happiness is he that considers the poor. All right, so you're not happy if you don't consider the poor. You're not joyful if you don't focus on people who are not as privileged as you are. You think you may be, but you're not. And if you are, it's the wrong type of joy, which I'm going to describe too. Because there's wicked joy and there's righteous joy. All right, so happy is he that considers the poor. This word means sokha. And it means uh, to uh, to teach, to uh, have intelligence, to circumspect, to, to to just have a concern, to guide wittingly, to guide wittingly the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. 
and it's in verse 2, it says, The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou will not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. Also, it says that the Lord will strengthen him or her upon the bed of languishing or sickness. Thou will make all his or her bed in his sickness. So, you know, th- this is very wise, folks, to be. There's so many blessings, joy, true joy, if you care about other people other than yourself. And this word poor in the regional Hebrews, thou, and it means uh, needy, weaker, people that are weaker than you. That's what it means. It's a very significant scripture for you to understand. Psalm um, 51, verse 2. 51, verse 12. Psalm 51, verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of that salvation. Salvation is a lot of joy when you think about it. And you think about all the things that will happen to you for being happy about the salvation of God. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. So there's joy in the salvation of God, which is the opportunity to be able to be changed into a spirit being, to become immortal. There's great joy in that, folks. And uh, I'll, I'll give a program on that in the future about what the salvation of God is all about. All right. Let's read another scripture here. Psalm 67, verse 4. It says, O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. So at the beginning of my program toward the end, you know, it states that God will rule the earth, and we should be happy that he will because the world is so wicked right now and people are suffering as I'm speaking around the world, and and it's not going to get to a point where it's going to be joyful until there's peace. And you should understand by now that peace is linked with joy and joy is linked with peace. You can't have either. Unless people collectively as a world start to obey the doctrines and the teachings of God. It's not going to happen any other way. We've tried that. We've tried our way. It's not working. Okay, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21. It says, He that despises his neighbor sins. Well, actually, let me um, to get the background of the scripture. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse 20, The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends, and this they do. It's so-called friends, right? You know, they're, they're friends, and uh, this word in original Hebrew means ahab, friends, and it means to have affection for. Uh, verse 21 of Proverbs 14, He that despises his neighbor sins. So if you despise your neighbor, and really your neighbor is a human being, according to what Yeshua taught in Luke chapter 9. He that despises his neighbor sins, but he that has mercy on the poor, on the poor, happy is he. So you have, you have great happiness, Esher, again, happiness or joy, if you have mercy or compassion on the poor. You know, again, you know, this poor thing, you're not going to run away from this, folks, uh, Caring about other people 
And if you don't do that, it's not a surprise to me that you're not happy and you're not joyful and you're just twiddling your thumbs and not wondering what you need to do with yourself. And and you and being having mercy on the poor is also preparing yourself to help the poor, studying, uh, trying to figure out ways to increase your income so that you can help people. Because if you can't help yourself, if you don't love yourself, how can you love someone else? And loving yourself has a lot to do with making sure you're prepared so that you can help other people. Life is not about you only. It's about you and other people. It's about you helping, uh, you training yourself and preparing yourself to be an instrument that God can use to help other people. That's what your life should be about. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 26. For God gives to a man that is good. Now, I'm going to emphasize <laughs> to a man or woman that is good. And his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. So, this is God's challenge to you. If you want to have wisdom and if you want to have knowledge and joy, you must be good. You must start to obey all the commandments of God if you want to have wisdom, knowledge, and joy. If you want him to give that to you, you have to follow the program. You have to seek him first, and all these things will be added unto you, as Matthew chapter 6 says. You can't just do it your way. In his sight, wisdom, knowledge, and joy, colon, continue, but to the sinner, he gives travail. What does that word travail mean in Hebrew? It means enyan, and it means employment or, or hmm, an affair. Not not an adulterous affair, but business. He gives travail. But to the sinner, he gives travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation. This is an interesting scripture. Let me read this in the version here. In the complete Jewish Bible version, for to the man who is good from God's viewpoint, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy, but to the sinner he gives a task of collecting and accumulating things to lead to him who is good from God's viewpoint. Okay, that's a better translation. This, too, is pointless in feeding on the wind. But I'm reading the scripture to help you to understand if you're good, that he'll give you wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner he gives the task of collecting and accumulating things. So so to, to many sinners he gives... Uh, them the opportunity to collect and accumulate things, but in the end, they're going to be given to someone who's good. <laughs> so, and then Solomon said, this is pointless at feeding on the wind. All right. And then 3 um, John, the third epistle of John, verse 1, verse 4. says, nothing, and this is um, in the complete Jewish Bible version of John saying this, uh, the third epistle of John, 3 John 1 verse 4, nothing gives me greater joy than hearing that my children are living in the truth. Now, this is a very significant scripture here. He says, nothing gives me greater joy, nothing gives him greater joy than hearing that my children are living, not just talking about it, but living in the truth. Now, what is truth, folks? 
Psalm 119, verse 142. Let's turn there. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 142. 142. Your righteousness is eternal righteousness, and your Torah, and the King James Version says, your law is truth. Your law is truth. Again, you can't run away from teaching or listening to the teachings and doctrines and reading about the teachings and doctrines of God. If you don't want to do that, then you will not have true joy, folks. You're just fooling yourself, and you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. Uh, John 17, verse 17. John 17, verse 17. Set them apart for holiness by means of the truth. Your word is truth. This is in the complete Jewish Bible version. This is what Jesus Christ said in red letters. He says the words of God is truth. And in Matthew 4, verse 4, he states this. But he answered the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of Adonai, or the Lord. And that's the entire Bible. That's that's what we live on, and that's what we should be eating as well as eating physical food. But most people, most Americans, we, we eat more physical food than we eat the Word of God. Not not literally eat the Scriptures, but study. Studying uh, is, is eating uh, in terms of the Bible in reference to studying His Word. And then Proverbs 15, verse 21, and this is the... Wicked way to have joy. Proverbs uh, 15, verse 21. Proverbs 15, verse 21 states, Foolish behavior is joy to the unwise. So there, there's quite a few wicked people out there that's, that's happy in the wrong way. All right? And they're happy because they like to act like fools. Foolish behavior is joy to the unwise. But a man of good sense makes his way straight. So you don't want to be like these these many people in, in this country and around the world that are happy because of this being fools, wanting to act like fools, ha- having foolish behavior. And uh, you don't want to be that way. And, you know, the Bible defines a fool, Proverbs chapter 1, someone who does not want to learn anything, doesn't want to, to learn anything, uh, uh, about God or anything else. They just think they know everything. Colossians don't now here here's some uh, rules on how to and I hope I'm able to get to, to all these scriptures. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it, but um I'm gonna try to the best of my ability. Uh how to have true joy. Okay? First first of all, number one, you have to focus on the heavenly and earthly Jerusalem and the temple. Because there's a heavenly Jerusalem and an earthly Jerusalem. There's a heavenly temple of God and there should be an earthly temple of God, and it will be in the future. Number two, you have to repent, do teshuva, and obey the Torah of God. Number three, you must be willing to sacrifice and endure problems and persecutions. Four, you must be willing and have a desire to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Number five, music and singing is very important. And we, we also must learn how to purify our minds. And we must live by every word of God. And we must learn not to be lazy. And we should learn to be content in whatever situation we're in. 
So those those are the things that we need to do, and hopefully I'll be able to cover the, the scriptures here. Uh, it's a lot of them. Um, Colossians three verse one says in the King James here it says, "If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God." It says, "Set your affection on things above, not on the things on the earth." So. Our affection is is what we set our minds on, and that word affection in the Greek is franio, and it means to exercise the mind, entertain, or have a sentiment or opinion on. And so if you set your minds on the things above, you're going to think like the things above or the people that are above, which in this case are the righteous angels and, and God the Father and Jesus, okay? Set your affection on the things above, not on the things on the earth. We shouldn't set our affection on the things that we think about or exercise the mind on the things on the earth. Why? Because, well, you're not going to have the true joy that you should have if you do that. If, if all, your whole joy is about video games and computers and televisions and, and looking at sports games and all that, you're not going to really, really have long-lasting joy. You'll have the wrong type of joy which doesn't last. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, what's in the heavenly Jerusalem right now? Because God commands us to, to focus on those things above, so what, what's, what's there right now for us to focus on? Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 22. But you are coming to Mount Zion and into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. So there's angels in heaven. And then in verse 23, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, so God the Father is there, the judge of all, and to the spirits, the spirits of the men made perfect. So the righteous men and women who died, their spirits right now, as I'm speaking, are in heaven. And in verse 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, of course, Jesus is up in heaven as well. All right, so that's what's in heaven right now, folks. And and um, we should be thinking about them all the time instead of thinking about our video games and our movies and, and, and all our other stuff that gets us away from that. Psalm 48, verse 2. Psalm 48, verse 2. Beautiful for situation, Psalm 48, verse 2. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. That's Jerusalem on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. You should find out everything you can about Jerusalem, folks, because Jerusalem is the center of the entire world, is where Yeshua, Jesus, and God the Father will be living, literally, one day in the future. They will be living at Jerusalem. So you need to find out all you can is what is called the city of peace, or should be peace anyway, uh, Jerusalem. So you need to find out all you can about Jerusalem. Okay. Lamentations 2, verse 15. 
All that pass by clap their hands at the, they hiss and wag their head at the daughter of Jerusalem, which is a prophecy again. Um, is this city that men call the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth, and it should be the delight, the happiness of the whole earth, and it will be in the future. And we should be finding out everything we can about this history, its current history, and its future. Psalm 137, verse 5 to 6. That will bring us true joy to find out about these things, about Jerusalem. Psalm 137, verse 5 to 6. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. And he's talking about his chief joy outside of, of course, loving God and keeping his commandments. So, you know, Jerusalem should be very important to you if you are a believer. If you are a believer. And then for those who really do want to find out all you can about Jerusalem, go to this website, www.templeinstitute.org. That's T as in Tom, E as in Elephant, M as in Mother, P as in Paul, L as in Laughter, E as in Elephant, I as in It, N as in Nancy, S as in Snake, T as in Tom, I as in It, T as in Tom, U as in Umbrella, T as in Tom, E as in Elephant.org. Now, the Bible says that the fellowship of God is like a temple. We are the temple of God. And we need the fellowship with each other as much as possible. And when we don't do that, the tendency is for us not to have joy like we should. So that's very important uh, for us to do that. Um, let me prove to you that God looks at the believers as being a type of uh, temple. Yeah, in Second Corinthians chapter six, verse sixteen, it says, "And what agreement has the temple God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." So, in a sense, we are the temple of God spiritually, and so we should not forsake the assembly of uh, of each other. Unfortunately, that's going around um, at a point of where it's hurting the assemblies of God. Second uh, John chapter one verse twelve. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and to speak to you face to face, that our joy may be full. So I'm quoting the scripture to, to, for those people who think they can just lock themselves up and just study the Bible all day and have joy, you're not going to have joy, folks, like that. Uh, you need to the fellowship with people. And this scripture proves it. It says, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be complete. You're not going to have complete joy just doing Internet Bible studies with people online. I mean, that's that's not going to bring you joy, true joy. You, you have to do things face to face. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And let me read 24 as a context. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another to provide, provoke unto love and good works. And here's colon, and we're continuing. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord. The day of judgment. And that's what it's talking about here in the last few verses. Leviticus chapter 23 is an outline of all the festivals. What brings us joy, too, is keeping the holy days of God. So I want I, I implore you to study all those days in Leviticus chapter 23. Write this scripture down and study it. If you need more instruction on that, I, I will be doing a Bible study in the future and as, as simply as I can explain each of the festivals and how to keep them. That's what I'm going to do. Second um, Corinthians chapter 30. Let's turn there. Oh, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles chapter thirty. Second Chronicles chapter thirty. Starting in verse one. And I'm going to read this in the um nineteen sixty five Bible and Basic English Version. Then Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah, and sent letters to Ephraim and Manasseh requesting them to come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. For the king, after discussion with his chiefs and all the body of the people in Jerusalem, had made a decision to keep the Passover in the second month. It was not possible to keep it at that time, because not enough priests had made themselves holy, and the people had not come together in Jerusalem. And the thing was right in the eyes of the king and all the people. And so it was ordered that word was to be sent out through all Israel from Bathsheba to Dan that they were to come to keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel, Jerusalem, because they had not kept it in great numbers in agreement with the law. Verse 6, So runners went out with letters from the king and his chiefs throughout all Israel and Judah by the order of the king, saying, O children of Israel, come back again to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, so that he may come again to that small band of you which have been kept safe out of the hands of the kings of Isaiah. Do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were sinners against the Lord, the God of your fathers, so that he made them a cause of fear, as you see. Verse 8. Now, do not be hard-hearted or stubborn as your fathers were, but give yourselves to the Lord and can come into his holy place, which he has made forever, and be the servants of the Lord your God, so that the heat of his wrath may be turned away from you. Verse 9. For if you come back to the Lord... Do teshuva, repent. Those who took away your brothers and your children will have pity on them and, that, and let them come back to the land. For the Lord your God is full of grace and mercy, and his face will not be turned away from you if you come back to him. So the runners went from town to town throughout all the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun, but they were laughed at and made sport of. However, some of Asher and Manasseh and Zebulun put away their pride and came to Jerusalem. And remember, you've got to put away your pride when it comes to obeying God, folks. Verse 12, And in Judah the power of God gave them one heart to do the orders of the king and the captains which were taken as the word of the Lord. Verse 13, So a very great number of people came together at Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month. 
Verse 14, and they got to work and they took away all the altars in Jerusalem and they put all the vessels for burning perfumes into the stream, Kedron. Verse 15, then on the 14th day of the second month, they put the Passover lambs to death and the priests and the Levites were shamed and made themselves holy and took burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. And they took their places in their right order as it was ordered in the law of Moses, the man of God, the priest draining out on the altar the blood given them by the Levites. For there were still a number of the people there who had not made themselves holy, so the Levites had to put Passover lambs to death for those who were not clean to make them holy to the Lord. Verse 18, For a great number of the people from Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulon had not made themselves clean, but they took the Passover meal, though not in the right way. For Hezekiah had made prayer for them, saying, May the Lord God have mercy on everyone. Verse 19, Who with all his heart is turned to God the Lord, the God of his fathers, even if he has not been made clean after the rules of the holy place? And the Lord gave ear to Hezekiah and made the people well. So the children of Israel who were present in Jerusalem kept the feast. And I want you to notice this, this verse, verse 21. So the children of Israel who were present in Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread for seven days with great joy. And the Levites and the priests gave praise to the Lord day by day, making melody to the Lord with loud instruments. Music was involved. And Hezekiah said kind words to the Levites who were expert in the order and the worship of the Lord. So they kept the feast seven days offering peace offerings and praising to the Lord, the God of their fathers. And verse 23, And by the desire of all the people, the feast went on for another seven days, and they kept the seven days with joy. You know, so it's important to understand that God's festivals are designed to stimulate joy and to help and to keep us happy. And Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 26, So there was great joy in Jerusalem. For nothing like this had been seen in Jerusalem from the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And then in verse 27 of Second Chronicles chapter 30, Then the priests and the Levites gave the people a blessing, and the voice of their prayer went up to the holy place of God in heaven. In heaven, that's where it went up to. And that's what will happen if we practice joy to that extent. Now, again, we, we must repent and obey the Torah of God. I'm not going to be able to read all these scriptures, unfortunately, but um, I'll cover some of them here. Um, in Psalm 51, verse 7 to 12. Make me free from sin with hyssop. Let me be washed whiter than snow. Make me full of joy and rapture so that the house... So where am I at here? I lost my place. Make me full of joy and rapture so that the bones which have been broken may be glad. Verse 9, let your face be turned from my wrongdoing and take away all my sins. Verse 10, make a clean heart in me, O God. Make, make a right spirit within me. Do not put away. Do not put me away from before you or take your Holy Spirit from me. Give me back the joy of your salvation and let a free spirit be my support then will i make your ways clear to wrongdoers and sinners will be turned to you so you know we we have to have this attitude of repenting folks uh, for us to be able to be truly joyful that's the key and then psalm 5 verse 11 psalm 5 verse 11 
says, but let all those who put faith in you be glad with cries of joy at all times. Let all the lovers of your name be glad in you. So that's that's important to understand that. And then let's go over... Let's go over um, the book of Revelation and, and, and the importance of music. And Revelation chapter 5, verse 7 to 9. Revelation chapter 5, verse 7 to 9. It says, And he came and took it out of the right hand of him. This is a celebration in heaven, basically. Who was seated on the right hand. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty rulers went down on their faces before the Lamb, having every one an instrument of music, and gold vessels full of perfumes, which are the prayers of the saints. And verse 9, And their voices are sounding in a new song, saying, It is right for you to take the book and to make it open, for you were put to death and have made an offering of God, of your blood for men of every tribe and language and people and nation. So, you know, music is very important to God. He's, he's around it a lot. And he expects us to be as well. Revelation 15, verse 3, and they gave the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and full of wonder are your works, O Lord God, ruler of all. True and full of righteousness are your ways, eternal king. All right, and it's important that uh, I stress this, we must live by every word of God, and um, and we must learn to be content in whatever situation we're in. Uh, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, to understand that. It says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So we, we have to learn how to be content and to be satisfied with what we have. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 8 states this, says, in having food and raiment, let us therefore be content. So if we have food and raiment, what are we complaining about? Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Let me look at a better translation of this. Um, in, in the complete Jewish Bible version, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be satisfied with what you have. For God himself has said, I will never fail you or abandon you. So, again, we we need to, to be satisfied with what we have and, and, and stop complaining. Stop complaining about what we don't have and just be satisfied with what we do have. You know, and God wants us to enjoy the fruits of our labor, for folks. So Ecclesiastes 5 proves that, verse 18 to 20. Ecclesiastes 5:18-20 This is what I have seen it is good and fair for a man to take meat and drink and to have joy in all his work under the sun all the days of his life which God has given him that is his reward Every man to whom God has given money and wealth and the power to have pleasure in it and to do his part and have joy in his work this is given by God Okay so God wants us to enjoy the pleasures of life. But he wants us to do it 
in obedience to him. That's the key. John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10 states here, The thief comes only to take the sheep and to put them to death. He comes for their destruction. I have come so that they may have life, and not just to have life, but to have it in greater measure. And let me read it in the complete Jewish Bible version how that words this, the scripture here. It says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life, life in its fullest measure. So God wants us to have life in the fullest measure, folks. But again, that involves doing it his way, obeying his laws so that you can have joy and caring about people. John chapter 16, verse 23 to 24. John 16, verse 23 to 24 in complete Jewish Bible version. When that day comes, you won't ask anything of me. Yes, indeed. I tell you that whatever you ask from the Father, he will give you in my name. Verse 24, till now you haven't asked for anything in my name. Keep asking and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Your joy won't be complete, folks, if you don't ask God what your desires are. But that you better make sure that what you're asking are righteous desires because he's not going to give you the wickedness. So make sure that you, you ask um for something that um, is righteous. And James chapter 4 gives us uh, the way to do it here. It says um, in verse 2 of James chapter 4, in the complete Jewish Bible version, you desire things and don't have them. You kill and you're jealous and you still can't get them, so you fight and quarrel. The reason you don't have is that you don't pray. Or, or verse 3 of James chapter 4, or you pray and don't receive because you pray with the wrong motive that of wanting to indulge in your desires. And we can't pray to God like that and expect him to give us what we want. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. It has to be righteous requests, not unrighteous. Now, we must be willing to sacrifice and endure problems. And how many minutes? i got about eight minutes. I may go over slightly here. But um, in James chapter 1, James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, it says, Regard it as all joy, regard it all as joy, my brothers, when you face various kinds of temptations or trials. Verse 3, For you know that the testing of your trust produces perseverance. Verse 4, But the perseverance do is, let, it, let it do its complete work, so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. And the reason why it brings joy, folks, because God is going to give us great reward for suffering as I explained in last week's program, for those who haven't listened to it. First um, Peter chapter 4. Verse 12. It says, Dear friends, don't regard as strange the fiery ordeal occurring among you to test you as if something extraordinary were happening to you. Verse 13, rather to the extent that you share the fellowship of the Messiah's suffering. So we have to share in the Messiah's sufferings, folks. If you don't want to do that, then you're not a believer. Rejoice so that you will rejoice even more when his Shekinah or his power is revealed. Verse 14, if you are being insulted because you bear the name of the Messiah, how blessed you are. For the spirit of the Shekinah, that is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Let none of you suffer for being a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler in other people's affairs. Verse 16, but if anyone suffers for being messianic 
or being a believer, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, bring glory to God by the way he bears his name. For the time has come for judgment to begin, and it begins with the household of God. And if it starts with us, what will be the outcome be for those who are disobeying God's good news? So, you know, we, we need to count it for joy and to go through struggles. Uh, going through struggles is a part of the program, folks. And and uh, you must be willing to go through struggles to enter the kingdom of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. It says, So then, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us too put aside every impediment, that is, the sin which easily hampers our forward movement, and keep running with endurance in the contest set before us. Verse 2. Looking away to the initiator and completer of that trusting, Yeshua, who, in exchange for obtaining the joy set before him, ex- endured execution. So it was great joy for him to do this. Endured execution on the stake as a criminal, scorning the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, think about him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you won't grow tired or become despondent. You have not res- yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, in the contest against sin. So you know, that's the great suffering that Yeshua did, and he did it with joy, and we have to learn how to do that as well. We have to learn how to do that as well. In Luke 14, verse 33. So every one of you who doesn't renounce all that he has cannot be Mount Talmud. So he means that. I mean, you have to be willing to give up everything. To, to be his disciple, and, and if you don't do that, then you're playing games. You're not really a believer, and uh, it's going to show eventually. You can't hide yourself. Eventually it's going to come. Hebrews 13, I mean, sorry, Matthew 13, verse 44, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. A man found it and hid it again, and in great joy went and sold everything he owned and brought that field. Now, that doesn't mean that you um, sell all your possessions, but he's saying that within reason you should be willing to sacrifice uh, to enter the kingdom of God. Um, Luke chapter 18, verse 28 to 30. And Kepha said, that's Peter, said, look, we have left our homes and followed you. Yeshua answered him. That's what he's talking about as far as sacrifice. Yes, I tell you, that everyone who has left house, wives, brothers, parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, which I have. Luke 18, verse 30, you will receive many times as much in the in this world, Olam Hazah, and in the world to come, eternal life. So that's that's the that's the reason why I continue to do this. I do it, first of all, because it's the right thing to do, and it brings me great joy to help people. But second of all, when I'm going through these trials, I realize that, I will have many times in this life and in the world to come eternal life. So going through all these struggles and so forth, that brings me joy. That's what it means to to have joy when you're going through these persecutions because it reminds you why you're going through these persecutions and the overall end, the joyful end, the glorified end that you're going to have by going through them. That's why I continue to go through them. I don't, and I'm starting not to have a problem going through them because I know the, 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 the wonderful end it's going to lead to. Luke chapter 6, verses 22 to 23. 
and it says right here, "How blessed are you when, how blessed are are you whenever people hate you and ostracize you and insult you and denounce you as a criminal on account of the Son of Man? Be glad when that happens, or be joyful when this happens. Yes, dance for joy. I'm supposed to dance for joy, and I'm learning how to do it because in heaven your reward is great." For that is just how their fathers treated the prophets, and that's how every single prophet, including Yeshua, was treated. Um, so I'm in good company, and you're in good company if you're going through that type of persecution, folks. So we we got to to learn how to do this. In closing, I'm just going to quote this scripture again. We need to remember uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 45, he says, All these curses will come on you, pursuing you, and overtaking you until you're destroyed, because you didn't pay attention to what Adonai the Lord your God said, observing his myths for his commandments and regulations that he gave you. These curses will be on you and your descendants as a sign and a wonder forever, because you didn't serve Adonai or the Lord your God with joy and gladness in your heart when you had such an abundance of everything. So when we when we get all these things, we need to, to make sure that we uh, learn how to have joy and happiness and display that toward God through our righteous works by helping people. Verse 40, Adonai will, will send your enemy against you, and you will serve him when you are hungry, thirsty, poorly clothed, and lacking everything. He will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he destroys you. And that's what we're going through right now in this country. Because of the lacking of caring, the, the sin of Sodom, that's one of the sins of Sodom, one of the major sins, where we, we don't really care about one another as we should, and that's the reason why he is starting this drought, and there's going to be other financial problems. And I can't predict exactly what the cause of those problems are going to be, a stock market crash or whatever, but but I, do, I can tell you that um, he stated that he will take away his stay of bread in Isaiah chapter 3, and he's going to use whatever means necessary to, to punish us, to wake us up, to help us to, to learn how to obey him and to stop doing it our way. There's one other scripture I want to quote, too, to end this. is um, in Romans chapter 10. It says in verse 1 in the complete Jewish Bible version, Brothers, my heart's deepest desire my prayer to God for Israel is for their salvation, for I can testify to their zeal for God. We have a zeal for God, but it's not based on correct understanding. Verse 3, For since they are unaware of God's way of making people righteous and instead seek to set up their own, they have not submitted themselves to God's way of making people righteous. And that's the problem with people in this country and around the world. Uh, we have to do it His way. Well, may God bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available for you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, 
saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.